setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Thanks so much for joining us on Burning Issues, part of the Cannabis Radio family. I'm your host, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. As many of you know, I'm professor of psychology at the University of Albany and author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. I also pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Today, we'll have a new segment of Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism, but first, we've got some delightful time with Peachtree Normals maven, Sharon Ravert. Years ago, Sharon was living the simple life as a small business owner and mom. Then the local sheriff's SWAT-style deputies broke into the house, traumatized everyone around, and made a gram and a half and an old grow light sound like some kind of drug cartel. But they picked the wrong mom to bust this time. Sharon's efforts made sure that sheriff didn't get elected again. She's also my favorite Republican. Sharon Ravert, welcome to Burning Issues. Oh, Dr. Mitch, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here talking to you. Do you mind talking about the big bust again? I know it's a hell of a burned out thing on a burning issue. Uh, No, not at all. I don't have a problem with that at all. What happened is, is we were going along with our life. Everything was fine. My daughter was in college, 19 years old, still living uh, in the basement apartment, trying to save money and go to school and get her education. I had a 15-year-old daughter as well that was in high school. She was a cheerleader. I was a business owner, an ambassador to the Chamber of Commerce, very involved politically in my community and community outreach and working with Habitat for Humanity and other groups. And so one day she had some friends over that she hadn't seen for a while because she had been off at school. And these kids had not gone or had gone to a different school, and she ran into them in town, invited them over to the house because we always had this open house policy while the kids were growing up. We made it so that all the kids would want to come here so that we could kind of keep an eye on them. We didn't want them running the back roads of Appalachia doing things and getting in trouble. So these kids came over. I'd never met any of them, uh, but they went to school together at one point in high school. And long story short... She was 19 years old. She, in my opinion, is an adult at that time, although she was living at home. And these kids obviously had some marijuana with them in their backpacks. Uh, I went later that afternoon uh, to pick up my daughter after school and take her to youth group. Came back. They were still downstairs playing pool, just hanging out. I went about 8.30 to pick up my youngest one at youth group and came home and my daughter was gone. And quite frankly, she again, I felt like I treated her like an adult. She acted like one. She had had one beer and I had noticed that she had had a beer. So I called her, said, don't, you know, you need to get home. And I should have gotten, gotten her. But she said, well, this young man that I'm out to dinner with um, needs to come back and get his backpack. Needless to say, his backpack um, was searched Uh, later that evening, and they asked him where he had been during the day. And being a business owner and him knowing the name of my business, he mentioned my business at 
4 a.m. that morning, I had a bang on my bedroom door with the Appalachian Drug Task Force, the GBI, and the local sheriff's department looking for my daughter with a search warrant. Mind you, it was not a no-knock search warrant, but we do live in the country, and my doors were unlocked. We never locked them. Needless to say, I locked them now to keep the police out. I'm not too worried about the criminals. We don't have that many up here. <laughs> um, so anyways, they showed me the search warrant. It had every kind of drug you can imagine that they were looking for and anything that they normally put on a search warrant. So I told them that she lived downstairs in the basement apartment, and they took off down there. Well, the lighting system was a little weird, so the next thing I know, I hear screaming, and I don't know what has happened, but they brought Brittany up uh, and sat her down, and needless to say, they pulled her out of bed with a gun to her head. Oh, my God. She had no idea what was going on. She thought that we had had a home invasion going on and that possibly they had killed her sister and her parents and they were coming for her. And so she had no idea. They didn't tell her they were the police. They were in the dark because they couldn't figure out how to turn on her bedroom light and flashlights at her and SWAT type, type gear. And to make a long story short, which I haven't done a very good job with at this point, but uh, she went to jail. We hired a lawyer. We got her out. And we spent her entire college savings on trying to keep her out of prison. Oh. She was facing 26 years. I'm just so heartbroken. And I mean, this, you know, attention to, uh, intention to distribute and a bunch of nonsense that I'm sure got thrown back on there. But then you really turned it around and became the activist. And I'd love to hear, you know, the happy side, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Well, the happy side was I just, I made a decision within a week of living in fear of them coming back. And, and quite frankly, the early stages of PTSD with my entire family. And I decided we have two choices. We can fight or we can run. Fight or flight. And we decided as a family that we were going to fight. And what I did is I took the 600 clients that I had and I decided I was going to start what I would maybe call, what is it, um, tainting the jury pool? Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew we had very few people in that jury pool in this small town. And the majority of them are people that are older and have money and travel, and I own a pet spa. I knew the majority of those 600 people in my business are voters, and I also knew that that meant that they would be likely on a jury. So I started telling the story because we're the normal family. If it can happen to me, it can happen to you. It can happen to your child, your grandchild. And I started educating people, and from there... It just went forward. We started working on the local level when I realized being in such a conservative district that I live in that the uproar about what happened to our family was unbelievable and the support that we received from the community. I realized that we should go further and take it statewide. And here we are today. That's superb. And so that's Peachtree Normal. And what's your website address? That's www.peachtree.com normal.org and it's p-e-a-c-h-t-r-e-e normal n-o-r-m-l dot org that's just astounding and then can you tell us about one of the legal reforms that's sort of in play in georgia right now 
Yeah, we've got quite a few. Of course, I'm sure most people know that we went the CBD uh, low THC oil route last year, and it did absolutely nothing because we're not allowed to grow here. It pretty much just set it up for if you're able to go out and purchase it illegally from another state and you get it back to Georgia, then you won't be prosecuted. They didn't say anything about you won't be arrested. They just said you won't be prosecuted. So you can um, violate federal law twice and then it's fine. Correct. As long as it's, it reminds me of the whole cannonball run from back when Coors couldn't come over to the East Coast. Uh, you know, if you can get it here, we won't do anything about it. So it, it's a worthless bill, quite frankly, but it is a step. At least the conversation's going. I try and find something positive out of it. And we're talking about it. We had a, a meeting yesterday, another committee hearing down at the Capitol. And they're learning, but they're on such a slow learning curve. And in fact, yesterday, Alan Peake said, Georgia's on the cutting edge. And I thought, too, of what? (laughs) You know, we're 40 years behind Israel on research. And we're at least 19 years behind, say, Prop 215 in California on law reform. I don't know what cutting edge he's talking about. It seems more like a chainsaw to liberty and freedom to me. Well, I think a lesser woman would have just hauled ass out of there, and I'm really impressed with you guys for making this happen. I know legal reform is super tough anywhere. There have got to be some novel challenges to reform below the Mason-Dixon line. Oh, absolutely. But if you really look at the issue and take all of the emotion out of it, I quite frankly, as a conservative, I would say a fiscal conservative, obviously they would probably put me in the social liberal side considering I'm fighting for legalization or or some form of reform here. They're being hypocritical. As a Republican or a conservative, you think of less government, not more. You think of less taxes, not more, or so they say, yet they are supporting something that is totally counterproductive to every single thing on their platform. And that's what I try to do is point it out. Let's take the emotion out of it. Let's take the bullcrap propaganda away and just look at it as an issue of a new industry, period. Exactly, exactly. Hey, as my Cannabis radio brother Vivian McPeak would say, we got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. But we're going to be right back talking about conservative arguments for ending prohibition with Peachtree Normal's Sharon Ravert. Don't go away. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. We're talking to Peachtree Normal's Sharon Raver down in Georgia. I just wanted to emphasize uh, how you sort of walk through that really conservative principles are consistent with spending less and improving our law enforcement priorities. Sharon, I've heard you make great arguments for how legal reform fits conservative principles. Can you walk us through your views on cannabis reform and law enforcement priorities that are consistent with what we think of as a Republican agenda? So, yes, the way I talk to people is I just point out that we're wasting money. We're wasting resources. It's, it's um, ripping apart families. Uh, the, the Christian conservatives always talk about the family and trying to keep the family unit together. We're ripping apart families through prohibition. Uh, we're criminalizing an entire generation. And what that's going to do in the future, quite frankly, to our tax burden when they can't get jobs, they're going to be on some form of public assistance. So I just take the things that are out there that they, you know, states' rights, we'll even go down the states' rights, uh, you know, um, road if they want to. But when they bring up anything, I try and always tie it back as a conservative, it makes it a little bit more easy for me, uh, tie it back to something that I know they believe in, in other realms of reality. Um, You know, and we always try and point out, and I also try and use a lot of our LEAP speakers that we have down here to talk to them about the wasted resources and about the money we could save if we closed down prisons and about the compassion that they so act like they have but yet they we're locking people away for a simple plant and letting out people with ankle bracelets on, for instance, like child molesters. Are we about protecting the children? Are we about protecting public safety? If so, we need to end prohibition. We need to be smart on crime and not hard on crime. And all these things are just different. I mean, it just depends what I bring up as to what their problem is. What is your problem with prohibition is a lot of... I mean, with reform, I'll ask them, and whatever they come up with, I'll try and counter it. That's great. You know, it sounds like prohibition makes a lot of criminals without preventing any crime, and I felt like you got that message across when we were up at the Boston Freedom Rally. How was the rally for you? Oh, the rally was wonderful. It's always great to get out from behind the green curtain of prohibition in the South and actually feel free to not run and hide or or have my heart race when I see a police officer, actually have conversations with them like I did up at the Freedom Rally. It feels good to see people exercising their freedom in a very safe environment and nothing happening. 
Unlike when I go to a keg party and they're playing beer pong and there inevitably is a fight, I didn't see any form of physical violence or even yelling or screaming at it. And it just seems like a different world up there. And it brings the city, it brings activism, it brings love, and it brings nature all together in one big place. And I was so honored to be invited to come speak. And it was great seeing all our our normal family, obviously, as well. It's funny because I find it super invigorating and it gives me so much hope. I know there were plenty of folks there who don't even use cannabis. You may have met John from Texas who really does not partake, as he says. And one of the most heartwarming ones was your husband, who was kind enough to be there. Do you have any word for couples who are sort of involved in reform? Yeah, please stay involved. We need more power couples. We need you, but I will I will say this. Activism can take a heavy toll on an individual, and it also can affect your relationship. So if your marriage isn't strong enough to begin with, I wouldn't even get involved, quite frankly. <laughs> Keep balance. Step away when you need to. Make time for each other. Have an escape plan if the movement gets to be too much for your marriage, because your marriage is more important. There's a lot of people out here working on this, and we need you But your marriage and your family is the most important thing here. Mark's made a lot of this possible. And he knows it's not about getting high, that it's about freedom. And that regardless of whether he uses cannabis or not, he's anti-prohibition. Exactly, exactly. And listen, I know you've got your own kids. And I'm curious about how you spoke about cannabis and, and reform to your children. Well, that one's an easy one. You just tell the truth. Give them the facts. You know, if you don't give them the facts, you tell them a story, they're not going to believe you. They're going to question anything you say. So before the raid even, I had, I mean, way before the raid, I had talks almost every time I got a chance. Parents are teachers, and we need to be positive in our kids' lives, and we need to have these discussions, quite frankly, to counter dare. I mean, this may sound strange, but as a parent... There are much more harmful things out there, and I would much prefer if my child chose to do anything that they would choose cannabis over cigarettes or tobacco or alcohol or anything else out there that they will run into at these parties that they're going to. Just tell the truth. You talk to them exactly like you would about alcohol. It's not for young people, and here's the truth about it. And you should not be doing it until you're old enough as an adult to make these decisions. It's funny because the brain development data keep coming out, and I keep encouraging students to you know, understand that before they decide when they're talking to their younger siblings or anybody like that. I love how you connected this to family values in you know, the conservative movement more generally. I feel like the, the war on drugs in some ways is undermining that and in some ways a, a result of a government that's too big. Do you feel like that's a, an argument that conservatives might resonate with? Oh, absolutely. The government is too big. The government can't fix this. They can't fix anything. I mean, it's staring them right in the face. And yeah, it's all about growing the government, private prison systems. You know, these people have been making money for 80 years off of the backs of the citizens of this country. And now that we are finally getting a majority, and we have had it for quite some time, and may I say that about 35 to 40% of the people that want to repeal prohibition do not use cannabis. They're not consumers. Most folks involved might be consumers, but there's a big subsample who aren't consumers, and they're still behind this in part because 
they don't want to see big government and things like that. I feel like there's a sense in the war on drugs that's related to a government that is simply too big. Do you feel like conservatives can resonate with that argument? Oh, absolutely. Yes, 100%. Of course, our government's too big. Uh, You know, when we look at Prohibition 1.0 or alcohol prohibition, it only took 13 years to fix that. There was very little infrastructure set up around prohibition after 13 years. So it was very simple. Now we've built an entire infrastructure. A lot of our country is built around this war on drugs and marijuana prohibition in general. And of course it's too big when you look at it's taken 80 years to even get to the point where we are now to even be able to talk about ending it. So government is huge. It reaches into our everyday lives every single day and This particular issue reaches into our physical body and being. And if we are not able to end prohibition, we will never be free. I'm with you. Hey, I've I've asked a lot of guests, both male and female, about gender in the cannabis reform movement. And I was curious, do you have a sense that it's different for men and women when you get involved? Yeah, well, I will say this. I noticed that um, most events are heavily weighted with white men. And I think that that is wonderful because you guys have been carrying the torch for 40 years now, at least, at least with normal. But I realize too, that you're only 50% of the population and that's not going to get it done. So I encourage women and people of other ethnic backgrounds to be involved as much as they can be. I think it can only make us stronger. We need to learn from the, the men that have carried the torch and we need to look towards our generations that are coming up behind us as well, the young people, and not only mentor them, but listen to their ideas. Because if we knew exactly what we were doing and didn't need anybody to help us, we would have got it done 30 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, I can't thank you enough, Sharon. Your time has just been super helpful here on Burning Issues. And I do want to emphasize we really thank you so much for all you do with Peachtree Normal. And listeners, please stay tuned for our next chapter of Self-Compassion, the Art of Activism. We'll be right back. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. 
Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitchell Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. Hey, it's how we support the Cannabis Crusade. So last week, we talked about social support, and I generated as many questions as I answered. Folks know that social support is great. We even got a feel for improving it, but Burning Issues listeners always want to know a little more. So today, I'm going to focus on three relationship enhancers, genuineness, empathy, and warmth. When all else fails, these three can get you through tough times with any of your old friends, and they're great ways of being when you're making new friends too. In addition, showing genuineness, empathy, and warmth is the way to support each other to keep the cannabis crusade going. So first, genuineness. It's got to be one of the stupidest sounding words in the English language, and it's very hard to define. Nobody can really pin down exactly what genuineness means, but we all know it when we see it. Genuineness arises from authentic, trustworthy, realistic behaviors. It means you're being who you really are. We're genuine when we behave in ways that are consistent with our own attitudes, values, and goals. Our friends rely on sincere reactions that are free from affectation or pretense. A friend who seems natural creates a more comfortable atmosphere than one who always appears scripted or stilted or phony. Friends who show genuineness have the body language and eye contact and facial expressions that correspond to their words. We usually know when we're having a genuine interaction because we're not even thinking about genuineness. We're in the moment with people who say and do the things we know they believe. Genuineness enhances rapport. People who have genuine interactions feel they're getting to know each other. It's not just a simple exchange of information. People are really getting a feel for each other. It's hard to point to specific actions out of context and say that one's genuine, that one's not, because people are so different. What's genuine for one person isn't genuine for another, but we can easily identify folks who seem consistent, true to themselves, and real. In addition to genuineness, we've got empathy. Empathy concerns the ability to identify with another person's feelings. Empathic reactions clearly indicate that you understand your friend's view without implying that you know exactly what it's like to be your friend. There's nothing quite as bad as someone claiming to know exactly how you feel. And it's not sympathy. 
I don't really need anyone to feel bad for me. I just want people to understand how I feel. Empathic people seem motivated to understand what their friends mean as well as what they say. Hey, sometimes I got to sort through everything before I really even know what I'm talking about. And good friends have the patience to let me figure it all out. They ask questions. They listen. This understanding, this empathy makes a big difference in forming close relationships. A good friend likely never experienced my situation, but a good friend is certainly familiar with the frustration or the disappointment or whatever it is I'm trying to get across. Sadness, a range of emotions. Hey, it's just part of our crazy lives. Expressions of this empathy can enhance a relationship between friends. Sharing feelings can increase trust and encourage candid disclosure. Sorting through the ambivalent and the conflicted feelings associated with all the stressors we get, well, that can help a ton. Hey, it's not all moonlight and roses in the Cannabis Crusade. It's great to let someone hear about it without having to worry. Last, but certainly not least, we've got warmth. Everybody shows warmth a little differently, but let friends know they're special. It can be like a shuck on the arm or a big bear hug, but I think it's fair to say that you should always greet and part with some kind of display of warmth. A sincere smile, an attentive nod, and considerate listening invariably enhances interactions. It's how we show warmth. Anybody who mentions, hey, our time together has gone well, or anybody who praises a friend just for hanging out, that's real warmth. What can I say? So, lots of praise for hanging out today. I genuinely had a good time with you all, and I hope you know how I feel. Let me know if you need to feel the warmth of burning issues by emailing me at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. So, thanks for listening to our show here at cannabisradio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio and iTunes. My enthusiastic thanks to producer extraordinaire Brasco and our guest, the delightful Sharon Ravert of Peachtree Normal. You can reach her crew at peachtreenormal.com. That's P-E-A-C-H-T-R-E-E-N-O-R-M-L.com. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide.
educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.